This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec, the place to stay updated and educated. Hello and welcome to Tech Guide, episode 413. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate you taking the time to listen to the show. And a big welcome to any first-time listeners as well. My name is Stephen Fennec. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, Google's open letter opposing paying news media outlets for their content. And it's also National Scams Awareness Week, and we share the latest scams and also tips on how to stay safe. We also check out the new Sleep Check app that can tell if your snoring is something more serious. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to also take a look at the new LG 75-inch 8K NanoCell TV. We also check out the new Navman Dashcam and Samsung's new range of air purifiers. And we'll also take your tech questions in the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, the company that keeps you connected. And Norton, the company that keeps you protected. Google has come out with an open letter, naturally, on Google. You can find it. And some are calling this a little bizarre, this open letter, which is opposing this new directive, this new news bargaining code, which was a result of an ACCC investigation and campaign. So basically making it, uh, making it mandatory for Google to pay major media outlets for their content. So as it stands, the content that Google puts on its search engine, that, that it brings up in the search, that uh, is not, no payment ever goes to the media companies. They are paid through click, billions of clicks per year, as well as other advertising revenue. So... It's, it's interesting that this this open letter has appeared now and the way it's appeared, it, 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 it kind of looks like a bit of a scare campaign. They've launched it in a way that is unavoidable. You go to the Google homepage and it's right there. There's a, there's a big exclamation mark in a yellow triangle, normally a, a sign that there's some, something wrong. And uh, they've got a link saying the way Aussies search every day on Google is at risk from new government regulation. There's also a pop-up on the right-hand side of the page. This is the Google homepage, which is just the bare search window. And it also says the way Aussies use Google is at risk. Your search experience will be hurt by new regulation. And then there's the option of dismiss and learning more. And in the open letter, it's 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 little strange how they highlight certain words in the in the in the letter. And I'll I'll put, I'll put a there's a link on the in the tech guide story about this, and they they highlight words like risk, and search and hurting, so it's it's kind of there. It is a little bit of a, a campaign, a scare campaign, to get users on site. Now the whole this whole big saga was the result of like an eighteen month campaign and. This, this result is obviously something that Google is not happy about. And this is a company that's a trillion-dollar company. They're valued at a trillion dollars. They made $160 billion in revenue globally, nearly $5 billion of that right here in Australia in 2019 alone. So they're not short of a dollar. 
But Google in this letter, and the letter was written from, the letter comes from Managing Director Mel Silver on behalf of Google Australia. And it, it outlines the, this news bargaining code could force us to provide a dramatically worse service. And the way it was presented, as I said, it, 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 you can't miss it. Now, the issue here is for tech giants like Google and even Facebook for that matter, being forced to pay media companies for their news. Now, at the moment, how it works, Google indexes all these sites and 32%, according to the ACCC figures in 2018, 32% of Australians find these websites through Google. They're not, it's not a direct, it's not a direct click through from their site it's click through google so they're linked through google and google's argument here is that they do work pretty closely with australian news business media already but they and they already pay them millions of dollars and and this is quoting also we we already pay them millions of dollars and send them billions of free clicks every year now google says in this letter that they've offered to pay more to license the content. But rather than encouraging these types of partnerships, the law is set up to give big media companies special treatment, I'm still quoting here, and to encourage them to make enormous and unreasonable demands that would put our free services at risk. So Google's argument here is that the this whole approach could favour the big news businesses. So giving those media companies preferential treatment would mean that would dramatically alter search results and would put independent media, myself included, at a disadvantage. Now, the way Google works is that, and the way I, I do it, I, I regularly spend money to improve my Google search optimization. It's SEO, it's called search engine optimization. I think that's something that, Anyone who runs an online business, whether you're a website like mine, a, a blogging site, or whatever you have, if you run an online business or, or have a website to promote your business, then it's very important for you to be seen on Google. And I pay good money every month to make sure that I rank quite highly. And I rely, as a matter of fact, on on those eyeballs through Google. I'll, I'll tell you up front that more than half of my traffic to Tech Guide techguide.com.au comes from Google search and that that's that's something that I would would couldn't do without because a lot of people find their way to tech guide through links through the stories that I share that 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 are ranked on Google if I've got a news story it's up there right up there with the other major major news outlets not not as highly ranked as those other major news outlets but it's there nonetheless I'd love the idea to get paid for every story that I put on Google, but I'm happy with the current situation the way that I do derive a lot of traffic. It's it's I'm a, of it's it's a valuable tool that that I, that I need. I, I couldn't do without it. My numbers would would reduce dramatically. And now these big media companies also have that advantage and Google says this in this open letter. They do send them billions of free clicks every year. So they are getting eyeballs, but the argument here, and it's it's looking at it from the outside, Google, who make money by using 
use the data to advertise to them and also make money by indexing the stories on on online, these online sites. So they all rank and they all they're all put up on Google every day. So every search you do is the result of some algorithm that, that Google has developed to give you the results and then direct you then to these other sites. So is it is it it's a case now whether the the government thinks well media companies should be compensated for the content that Google is is indexing here which results in them obtaining these massive amounts of data on their users to to then market to them. So you anyone who's been on Google that's it's just about everybody will notice that things they search for Google remembers and you go to another site you might go to Facebook or my site I've got a couple of Google ads on Tech Guide and you might have been researching a, a Fijian holiday for example not that we're traveling very much right now but just take that as the example and you might suddenly notice on Tech Guide on my Google ads that are the that when you visit my site it takes into account what you've been searching for and then presents these ads my father he, he often tells me he goes oh, I've been seeing the Google ads on your site are all about things he's interested in. Like he's, I don't know, might come up with Bunnings hardware store things. And, and so various things that he's searched for come up on the, on, on the site. And he thinks that what he sees is also what I see. I said, no, dad, what you see, that's based on what you search for. So that experience is yours alone. What you see that's presented for you. It's not a one size fits all. And that, that's, that's, some, that's, that's how it works. So the point here is that Google, it's it's like the media companies are the the cars on a highway, and Google's that highway. So the 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 media company, which is like the cars on the highway, can get from A to B on this massive highway. Google's argument is, well, should the should they pay the toll, or should the cars accept the toll how it is right now, and. As I said earlier, the ACCC said that 32% of Australian readers visited news sites through Google. So that's 32% of a news site's traffic. Those news sites were through Google. 18% came from Facebook. This is about these are 2018 figures, but you, you get the idea of that just the sheer amount of traffic that can be directed through Google. Now the other the other thing that Google mentioned in this open letter was also about user data. And it argued that a user's search data may be at risk. Google says that there is they they have been have been fiercely protective of people's data, and they say in this letter, and I'm quoting, there was no way of knowing if any data handed over would be protected, and how it might be used by news media businesses. So as I said, Google makes its money through search and by utilizing user data. Now, naturally, sharing that data would potentially water down the very tool that makes the company billions of dollars a year. Another point, another reason why they're opposed to this new move. But they also mentioned how it could affect, dramatically affect search results. So the implication here is that independent content creators, myself included, and there are many more, bloggers, influencers, YouTubers, they rely on being found on Google. In fact, YouTubers rely on that very income. The, the, these YouTubers with hundreds of thousands, even millions of followers, 
they get paid through through the sheer number of people who find their content. Not not only because they've got a lot of subscribers, but also because they come up high, they rank highly in searches. So if that's prejudice, Google's saying this could be prejudiced if this proposal to reward larger media companies could affect the search results as well. Now, Josh Frydenberg, who's the treasurer, said that uh, a mandatory code that governs these relationships and covers issues like user data and also the transparency of algorithm, algorithms used by the digital platforms, that's another issue. They don't want to hand over their algorithms. Um, then they, they, these, these algorithms that are used by platforms for ranking and the presentation of media content as well as the payment for that content. So what, what he says is that what, what they're trying to do is create a level playing field to ensure everyone gets a fair go for, for all the Australian news businesses anyway, get a fair go when they generate their original content. And he says they should be fairly paid for that original content. But again, it's the, it's the case of is does Google have a point? Does Google... Should they just hand over the cash? They've got billions of dollars in the bank. Should they just do it? Are they providing the service? Like the, For me, I don't pay Google any money. I pay my SEO company that, who, who, want to opt, who optimize my site to rank highly on Google. And Google naturally get all the data through that. So any, any data they have on anyone, they've got data on all of us, that's, that's, that's how, that's our payment is our data. On this, on on Google and on Facebook too, for that matter. Facebook is a free service, and so is Google. And Google's in this open letter mentioned the fact that the free service is being at risk. Now I don't know whether they're going to charge a, a Google fee or whatever they're going to do, but you'd think that that's kind of a bad look in my eyes that they're mentioning how oh you know this this could put your free service at risk. Like they made one hundred and sixty billion dollars. Like why why should I have to pay? And, and these, these news media outlets are giving them the very content that they're using to harness and, and harvest that data from all their users as well. Interesting one. Uh, the open letter is up on Tech Guide. You can read the open letter. I've quoted it heavily in my story. I've tried to explain it in as simple and simply as I can, but it's a big issue, I think, that a lot of people are going to be wondering how this is going to turn out, whether this will be actually turned down, will it, will it, whether it will go ahead, and whether it might even set a precedent for other countries around the world. Australia has uh, one of the only countries who have, who have uh, put this proposal forward in our own territory and whether other this could set a precedent for other countries to do the same. Interesting times, but uh, look, we, we can't do without Google. I'll tell you up front, I can't do without Google. I need Google to direct readers to my website. And if they, if, if that's, if that's the, the cost of doing business in that regard is that the user's data, they may take advantage of, of a user who's, who is on Google searching for various things that is then put inside their little profile to direct advertising at them. That's, I think the world we live in now, Facebook, Google, I think we've all accepted the fact that that is our payment for using these services is the little ones and zeros that identify not, not exactly who we are and where we live and our precise details, but our ages, our suburbs, our interests, they're the things that make, that can allow then advertisers to, to, 
to really target their ad- advertisements to the right people. That, that's how they make their money. That's how Facebook makes their money as well. If you want to read more about the Google Open Letter, you can check that out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. This week is National Scams Awareness Week. It's a big one, and uh, there are a number of campaigns that have been launched from many businesses, government departments, uh, including the NBN, actually, uh, all trying to educate Australians about spotting these online deceptions that have increased dramatically, unfortunately, in 2020. It's already been a tough year for us. With uh, we started off with the bushfires, and then not 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 much later we had the coronavirus and lockdowns, and businesses closing down, whole industries being shut down, and cyber criminals were out in force. There was some stats from Norton LifeLock, Norton, uh, one of our sponsors of of the Tech Guide podcast. They had a study. Norton LifeLock is their online is their the online security software. This is the the online security company. And they had a digital transformation report that highlighted the fact that uh, one in six Australians have been the victims of cybercrime during the COVID-19 pandemic. And the biggest culprit here is, uh, is phishing scams. And we see this more and more often. The other, the other factor you got to remember too is that a lot of us are working from home and homeschooling and doing more. We're not leaving the house in many cases. We're in lockdown. We're, we're spending more time at home than ever before and therefore more time online than ever before. And for those working from home, they're often using their own personal devices. They're also outside the protection of their corporate IT department. So the cyber criminals are taking advantage of all of these factors and hence the reason why there has been a severe increase in the number of people affected by cybercrime during this time. Now, the this the way they're affected is through scams, and National Scams Awareness Week has come along at precisely the right time. It's always around this time in August, and there were more than 24,000 reports of stolen personal information in 2020 alone. Now, that's a 55% increase from the same time last year. More than $22 million has been lost by Australians to scammers who have also stolen their personal information. Phishing scams, as I mentioned, are the most common type of scam, and this is up 44% over last year. Now, what scammers do here is impersonate things like government departments, including the ATO, MyGov, Telstra, even the NBN has been impersonated, and this is in a bid to gain your personal information or banking and other financial details or just to simply defraud you of your money. Now, the, the information that's used is then used to impersonate this person, access bank accounts, superannuation, even impersonate them on social media, and they've even gone as far as taking out loans in their name. Now, the worrying trend here, though, is that more people aged 25 to 34 have reported losing personal information more than any other age group. So despite being that perceived tech-savvy age, they are losing more personal information than any other age group, which is a worry. 
Now, the National Scams Awareness Week made me aware of something that I wasn't aware of, that there were so many NBN-themed scams. They were one of the most common reported to Scamwatch, more than 2,300 reports between January and June this year. So in, in Australians have lost more than $900,000 in NBN impersonation scams in 2019. That's just in 2019. That figure's going to be a lot bigger in 2020. And most of the victims, unfortunately, were aged 65 and older. Now, these, these NBN scams are quite elaborate, but the most common scam is reported, uh, according to the, to the Australian Communications and Media Authority, that's ACMA, this is the Nicole from NBN robocall. You might have heard this call. That's the most popular example. And recent reports show that Nicole has actually been replaced by another voice, Carol, in this scam. Now, how the scam works, the, they are sent a fake and fraudulent invoice for payment. This is after this robocall offered them an upgrade over the phone. So the robocall kind of grooms them to this. Then they get the fake invoice that they assume, okay, well, I've got to pay this. And they, there's no upgrade. There's no, it's not the NBN at all. They've just been scammed. The other, This is what's surprising to me. The other scam, can you believe, involved scammers convincing victims that their computer was emitting harmful radiation and that they needed to move away from their screen or cover it completely so that the cyber criminal can access, have unmonitored remote access to their computer. Can you believe that? A scammer tells people, look, back away from your computer or cover it because it, your, your computer at the moment is emitting harmful UV radiation and we don't want you to get hurt. And they, these people who comply are then not seeing that the cyber criminal has remote access to their computer and is ripping them off. A real worry. Scams, we really have to have the antennas up. We need to be aware. And there are some tips we can share with you. NBN's tips for protecting against scammers is to visit the NBN website, Scam Advice. I'll put that uh, link on Tech Guide to identify and avoid potential scammers or for advice if you suspect you might have already been scammed. Now, you've got to remember one thing, and NBN says this in their tips. They will never call or ask to access your computer or advise that, they're going to be, that you're going to be disconnected. NBN will never tell you that because NBN is actually a wholesaler, which means it does not sell phone or internet services directly to the public. People need to contact their, their internet service provider to make the switch. Any changes to their NBN is through their service provider, not directly through the NBN. Uh, the other tip is to never give an unsolicited call remote access to your computer. And the NBN also pointed out that they do not make automated calls like these robocalls to advise of disconnections to NBN or existing copper phone line services. So don't just hang up the phone. They will not do those robocalls. Also, and this is pretty obvious, but I'll say it anyway, do not share your financial information, bank, credit card, or any other details, personal details, with any unsolicited caller or even a door knocker who are trying to seek payment, that's another scam, for a service over the NBN network. Look, hang up, call your local service provider or the official customer service center and make sure that 
if there is any information you need to know, you get it directly from them. Now, the ACCC have also chimed in for some uh, information to protect your personal information. Don't be pressured into giving away any personal details by someone who has contacted you, no matter who they say they are. Don't click links on unexpected emails or messages, even if it appears to be from a legitimate source like the ATO, like MyGov, like Centrelink. Also use very strong passwords on your accounts and your internet network and don't share them. Have the latest in antivirus software, internet internet protection software. Limit what personal information you share about yourself online. This is an important one, including on social media. Now, there, is, there are also some tips on what to do if you think you might have already been scammed. Number one, contact your bank or financial institution immediately. You can also report the matter to your local police, but you can also report your issue to the Australian Cyber Security Centre, the ACSC. I'll put a link on Tech Guide. If, you have, uh, if you've provided remote access to your computer or financial information to a scammer, contact ID Care on 1-800-595-160. That's 1-800-595-160. This number is also on the Tech Guide website on our story. To protect others, also report scams to the the ACCC, the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission, via Scam Watch. Scam Watch Awareness Week. Let's be aware of the scams. Uh, this these this is a good time to really take stock of what you're doing. Be be very be diligent, vigilant on the phone. Make sure you're not giving away any information. So uh, all of that information though that I've uh, about the scams, about those numbers, about those contact details. And that whole campaign, uh, so you can check all of that out at techguide.com.au. Okay, let's change gears a little bit here. We're going to talk about a new sleep check app. And it does exactly what it says in the name. It checks you while you're sleeping. And in particular, it records your breathing and snoring, snoring already, uh, I've been told this myself, is uh, annoying to your partner and it's something that many of us face, whether we're, we're the snorer or we're the partner. So it's something though that is worth checking out because snoring um, is not only a sign that you're deeply asleep, but it could be actually a sign of something worse and that something worse is sleep apnea. Now, sleep apnea, or obstructive sleep apnea, as it's known, OSA, is a serious medical condition. And what happens, it sees the partial or complete obstruction of your upper airways while you're sleeping. So basically, you stop breathing for a second or two, wake up, start breathing again. This can happen up to 30 times per hour, all night. So what happens the next morning, you wake up and you're tired and productivity's down and your your immune system is now vulnerable and this leads to other medical conditions. There's more than 775,000 of Australians affected every year. Now, the worry, though, is that nearly one in five Australians, that's 20% of the population, may be at risk of obstructive sleep apnea, but 80% of adults suffering from severe or moderate sleep apnea have gone undiagnosed. So that's where the sleep check app comes into play. 
Now, we can provide a screening test for you to see if you're in the at-risk category. And how it does this, it's available only on iPhone for now. It's $7.99. You can use it as many times as you want. And what users are instructed to do is enter their age, their gender, and their neck size. So measure your neck. That has a bit to do with it. And that, that, that's to increase the accuracy of the analysis. And so what it does, you place the iPhone by your bedside table and it will record your breathing and snoring patterns while you're sleeping. So for this to work properly, the app requires the person, if you're, if you're recording yourself, it requires you to sleep alone for a more accurate recording. And my guess is that if you're a loud snorer, the chances are you're probably sleeping alone anyway. So, but you do need to be by yourself. So, and that includes not having any TVs or radios on in the background, no pets in the room, just you and on your own in the room to make sure it gets an accurate recording. Now, the iPhone will rest on the bedside table connected to a charger with do not disturb engage. So, you're not receiving any calls or notifications. Now, when the user wakes up, so it's recorded them all night, they wake up press and hold the stop button, it'll complete the recording and then begin its analysis, which could take up to 60 seconds. Now, the Sleep Check app has a clinically validated algorithm to examine the recording. So it examines that and then it gives you a ranking, a grading, and it'll tell you whether your risk is from low or to all the way up to very high. Now, in the event you get a high, a medium high or very high reading, the app will recommend a doctor for a more thorough assessment. So you might be in the medium to high or very high. It'll say, look, what you should do, see a doctor, you may be at risk. At least it's giving you some semblance of whether you're in that that ballpark. Wor- worth checking out because I think it's uh could be quite a debilitating thing, sleep apnea, and if you're waking up constantly, you're probably very tired, you're very run down the next day, and it's just not a good way to be. So Sleep Check, available now through iOS, through the App Store. It's very easy to run. As I said, you need to be by yourself to record yourself, and you might be. they might check you out to say, look, you snore loud, but you're a low risk. So that, that's good to know. But it's also good to know if you're, if you're a medium or high risk because this could lead to something a bit more serious down the track. Sleep Check app, it's $7.99 on iOS. I understand it's also coming to Android very soon, but uh, a very interesting one to check out. If you are a snorer, you're not only keeping other people up, but you might be a sign that you there is something more serious going on. So definitely worth checking it out. To read more about the Sleep Check app, you can read our story at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Norton. They're the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Now, we live in a world where we're constantly connected. So there are cyber attacks more prevalent than ever. There are phishing scans, which we spoke about already just a moment ago, and ransomware, there's online predators, and big data that tracks you everywhere you go. We spoke about that as well whenever you do a Google search. 
These cyber threats have all evolved, which is why Norton has evolved with them. The new Norton 360 gives you next-level protection. It combines the power of device security with a secure VPN to help keep you and your family safe and private online. The new Norton 360 is all-in-one protection for your devices and online privacy. It's available now at leading retailers or au.norton.com. And now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennec. Alrighty, our Tech Guide review. We're going to kick it off this week with a beauty, uh, the LG NanoCell 8K TV. Now, we had the 75-inch. This is the Nano 99 series. This is the NanoCell, so it's not OLED. Uh, so the organic light-emitting diode 8K TVs are... You're paying tens of thousands of dollars more. The retail price for this TV, I'll say it up front, is on the LG website. It's quoted at $10,199. But on if you go to Harvey Norman's website, JB Hi-Fi, the TV's as low as $7,200. So that price on the LG website, don't uh, let that panic you. But still, you still got to pony up more than $7,000 for this TV which I have to say is remarkable. We're talking 8K here, so that's four times the resolution of 4K. And it has uh, nanocell technology, which is very similar to Samsung's QLED technology. Uh, and it calls itself Real 8K because LG really made a point of this uh, late last year and earlier this year at the Consumer Electronics Show. It says that, for, to, to have the Consumer Technology Association's definition for, a, for 8K TV, there has to be certain, certain technical points that it, you have to meet. And LG claims that its nanocell technology not only meets those requirements, but exceeds them more than any other brand. So that, that's why they market their TVs as not just 8K TVs, but real 8K TVs. Now, I hear you saying, why the hell would I have an 8K TV? There's no 8K content. Well, you're wrong. There is some 8K content, not a lot. There is some 8K content. If you look on YouTube, and I did a lot of YouTube viewing with this TV to see native 8K content, which really looked remarkable. Uh, YouTube has a fair amount of 8K content, I was surprised to find. And the level of detail that you see, you think 4K is good. But seeing a, a 75-inch 8K TV really takes it to the next level. There's a sort of a level of detail that you really need to see to appreciate. It's kind of, it's almost a case of it's better than real life. It, it is so sharp and so crisp and it's just amazing to watch. And I was watching things like wildlife 8K videos and um, city skylines in 8K and all various types of, this is almost like watching a screensaver in 8K. But it was remarkable quality watching native 8K. Now, there are no 8K movies. There's no 8K streaming. But what this TV delivers, though, is thanks to its Alpha 9 Generation 3 AI processor, is some pretty decent upscaling. So you can see the TV making the, the effort to generate 8K from lower source lower resolution sources and it does a pretty good job like watching blu-ray or 4k on this or even watching 4k youtube or regular youtube 
you can see that it's making an effort. It's not as good as a native 8K video, but you can see that it's it has the intelligence. It uses the AI in that Alpha 9 processor, the Gen 3 processor, to really render things quite nicely and get the edges right and it delves into the database to make sure that it is, it's giving you in real time the 8K version of what you're looking at. And it, it all does this on the fly. It's remarkable. You, you can, you, if on the size of this TV, it's 75 inches, so it's a big TV, you can actually tell the difference. You can see an improvement in sharpness in some areas. Not everyone will see it. Everyone will think, you know what, 8K, I'm going to wait. But anyone who buys an 8K TV now, you're kind of future-proofing your investment because there is going to be a lot more 8K content in the near future. We're going to see a lot more. Might not see 8K movies for a year or two, but what's going to happen is that films are going to be they're going to be shot in 8K. Uh, a lot of films are already shot in 8K, and then they bring them down to 4K for the, for the cinema. But these films that will be shot in 8K, imagine having that native quality right there. Now, the reason that 8K TVs exist in the first place is for is because we are trending towards having larger televisions, having a larger screen to look at, often with lower resolution content, exposes a lot of the flaws. So if you've got a if you've got a 75 inch TV playing 4K footage or full HD content, you, you start to see pixels, you're starting to see little things and it's not as it kind of pulls you out of the experience. It's not as crisp and sharp as it should be. Now, on a larger TV, the way to get around that issue is to put more pixels in it. And in this case, 8K. So it's four times what you get with 4K. So that higher level of detail means that even when you're sitting pretty close to the TV, you're not seeing pixels. All you're seeing is the content and it looking pretty sharp and crisp at that moment. And... This is a remarkable technology. I, I really appreciated the the quality that it offered here. Uh, if, for, for, even when you're watching free-to-air TV, Netflix, whether you're watching uh, your your 4K movies, you can see that you can see that improvement in in little subtle ways, like on, on people's faces and the fur of animals and things like that. You can you could tell that this was a, a slightly it was up a notch from what you're normally used to seeing. So the visual side, obviously, picture quality side, excellent. But also the audio side is not bad as well. You've got to remember that this has got Dolby Atmos built in and it's got Dolby Vision IQ. So this is a type of HDR that can intelligently adjust the content for your lighting condition. So it can tell what the lighting situation is in your room and then deliver that HDR so that the screen looks just right but also at the same time giving you Dolby Atmos, which is a 3D surround sound to improve the audio quality. Speaking of the audio quality, though, I did also have the SN11 soundbar with the TV. Now, the TV, I should tell you quickly, design-wise, has fairly thin bezels, not, not, not the thinnest bezels in the world, but fairly thin, and there are two legs on the TV. Now, the funny thing is the SN11, 11 soundbar from LG didn't fit between the legs. I found that rather strange uh, design-wise. I'm thinking you're going to design a TV and if you're going to buy it, if you're going to spend that much money on an 8K TV, you're probably going to spend an extra 1500 on a soundbar. So why not make it sit perfectly between the legs of the TV? In this case, it didn't. It had to sit slightly in front. It just would have been, I don't know, it's the OCD in me. It would have been beautiful to sit it inside that little space between the legs. 
I could, you can, I suppose, mount this on the wall and that issue is not an issue, but for those who will put it on an entertainment unit like I did, uh, I would have loved to see that soundbar fit perfectly in there. would have been really nice. Now, the TV, of course, has all the bells and whistles when it comes to TV picture quality, HDR10 Pro, Dolby Vision IQ. It's also got full array dimming pros, which means you're getting really nice dynamic contrast ratio. All the different backlight zones really deliver. It's not OLED quality black levels, but it is very still very, very impressive. You also get a lot of built-in apps as well. You've got Apple TV built in there, Netflix, of course as well as many others that can be downloaded. So uh, a really good choice. If you're a gamer, this is next-level stuff here. You've got low input lag for a start, so you can uh, really take advantage of that if you're into gaming. It also has certified HDMI 2.1. So it will, one once we get uh, 8K content from a player, there's no 8K players yet either, once you do that, it will enable 8K playback at 60 frames per second via that HDMI 2.1. So all those ports ready to go once you have the players and the content there. And watching sport on this thing is also brilliant. Uh, it does give you, it does really makes you feel like you're there. Do really good color accuracy, uh, really high refresh rate too. So it's not, uh, not too much. Uh, it's a very smooth picture for that as well. Um, and just have that big screen, just a big screen, 75 inches. That's a lot of TV. And uh, I think once you go big like that, you're never going to go back. And, and that, that's the trend, as I said, in, among Australian customers. The larger screens are what, we were, what we're wanting. And the LG Nano 99 series, 75-inch 8K TV, it really delivers. Uh, look, it's expensive, I know, but it is, uh, it's going to be a sign of the future that this content, your 8K content, you're going to see a lot more of it in the years to come and your TV will be ready to go once that content is more readily available. There's still some to watch, as I, as I told you. YouTube has a fair amount of 8K content, um, and I also had some native content on a hard drive that just looks superb. But the native 8K content's coming, but in the meantime, you're going to have to make do with this absolutely brilliant upscaling as well that, that does a pretty good job. But as I said, retail price uh, on the site, uh, LG site, this price is down the 75 inch AK, 10,199 bucks. But I've seen it in store for as low as $7,200. That's $3,000 cheaper uh, than what it is saying on the LG website. But still an investment. But as I said, an investment in the future. You want to read more about the LG 8K NanoCell TV? Check it out at techguide.com.au. Well, Navman's a name we know from uh, GPS for the last couple of decades, as a matter of fact. Navman have been a name, uh, a GPS go-to brand, and they're still around and doing very well, especially with since the release of their new MyCam GPS dash cam. So this is a new range of in-car products for, um, for Navman, which incorporates, it's like a two-in-one product here because it's a dash cam, so you can utilize it all the time. All the time you're behind the wheel, this thing's working. But it's also got a five-inch touchscreen so that you can then have your turn-by-turn navigation or just a map of the road and with, with warnings for things like red light and fixed speed cameras uh, as well as school zones and all these things that you need to know about. And it also has Bluetooth on board so it can be your hands-free connection to your phone. Now, I hear some of you saying, I just use my phone for navigation. And that's fine. 
problem with that is, though, it uh, if you're using it a lot, it does tend to run your battery down a fair bit. But the other thing, too, is that you're tempted when you've got your phone there so prominently. You're seeing your notifications come in. You're seeing these other things. Calls are coming in. And there is that temptation to take it further, to look at things, to open a message, to open a notification. Uh, what Navman says is that, yeah, phones do a good job. They do a pretty good job for convenient way to navigate, but not necessarily the best experience, but also there's that temptation to, uh, for people while they're driving. Now, with the Navman MyCam GPS, everything's in one unit. There's a hands-free link to your calls, as well as you getting up-to-date traffic information, as well as your turn-by-turn verbal navigation. So it means that rather than this being used only when you need to navigate somewhere, this is a device that can be used all the time. So you're getting, don't forget it's a dash cam, so it's recording everything it's seeing in front of you. And it is also, though, giving you those warnings for speed cameras, school zones, you name it. It's giving you those heads up. It's also, if you need to find points of interest near where you are, it's also very easy to do that as well. Now, on the dash cam side, it does record in full HD. That's 1080p, has a 140-degree field of view. But it also incorporates the Sony Starvis low light sensor. Now, what that means is that it captures pretty crisp and clear video no matter the lighting conditions, even at night. And that's important because the dash cam is there in case something happens. And if it does happen and you need to look at this video and you need to extract information from that video, including makes and models of cars, number plates, street names, street signs, all this information has to be visible. And uh, Navman states that the Sony Starvis sensor allows them to present very clear video. Other, other competitors in this, in this market have their videos tend to blow out in various lighting conditions. So say it's a very sunny day and white number plates can sometimes flare out. So they're washed out and, and in the video, all you're seeing is just a white rectangle rather than the actual number plate. Even at night, there are lights that sort of flare and don't really, that, that sort of ruin the rest of the image and don't give you the clearest possible picture. Navman insists that theirs with the Sony Starvis sensor does fit the bill and give you very clear videos that can be useful in the event of a police report or an insurance claim. That's exactly what you want from a dash cam. Uh, the Navman MyCam, it's priced at $369. They also have versions for off-roaders, so the MyCam Explore, that's $499. But it also includes 140,000 kilometres of popular four-wheel drive tracks and other points of interest. So you can find things like nearby campsites, petrol stations, as well as being able to make and receive phone calls legally behind the wheel. There's also a version for trucks, the MyCam Truck, first-of-its-kind device that can take into account the size of your vehicle, including B-doubles. So it gives you the right routing that can safely get you where you need to be. So if you're driving a big, long, tall truck, it's not going to direct you into a tunnel that you're too big to fit into. So that's why it takes all of that in, in, into account. It's also not going to steer you into some sharp turns. Uh, if you're driving a B-double, not very easy to do that. So that's where that comes into play. The MyCam truck, that's $549. And that's also got a 7-inch display for that particular model. The Navman MyCam range, uh, very useful p p tools to have in your car while you're driving and useful day and night, 
every time you're by the, behind the wheel because, as I said, it's your eyes and ears on the road and also giving you, when you need it, turn-by-turn GPS information and all the, all those alerts that you need as well. You want to check that out? Check the Navman Dashcam, the MyCam series of products. You can see them at techguide.com.au. Samsung has entered a new market. Everyone thought they were in every market anyway, but not this one. This is new for Samsung, air purifiers. Air purifiers are designed to make your homes cleaner and healthier by purifying your air. But one common misconception, and and I've got to say, I, I thought this as well. One misconception is that the air inside your home is cleaner than the air outside your home. Well, I was surprised to learn that it's actually the opposite. The We live indoors and the indoor air quality can be actually up to five times worse than the outside air. Can you believe it? And it's, it's worse because there are airborne particles like dust and gas and chemicals and bacteria, as well as pet dander and pet hair and all other kinds of stuff. And when you think about it, it does make sense because inside your house is a pretty small space compared to the outside world. And... Outside, things can circulate pretty pretty big and in wide areas, but in your home, there's only a limited amount of space, so stuff stays indoors. So hence, the reason why Samsung has entered this air purifier market to allow, allow Australians to have pure and healthy air in their home. And as look, anyone listening who's got uh, asthma or allergies or sensitivities, uh, their kids might have it, they've got pets in the house, this could be an issue, a serious issue, uh, and could help if you do suffer from those allergies and sensitivities. Having a product like the Samsung Air Purifiers could be the thing that makes you feel better, makes you feel uh, feel healthier and uh, have a better sense of well-being. Now, these units can capture airborne articles that are 70 times smaller than the diameter of a single strand of hair. That's how that's how much it can do. It's 99.9% of pollutants it can trap into its three-layer filter system. So there's a washable pre-filter to capture the larger dust particles, like things like pollen and house dust and pet dander. Then there's the activated carbon deodorization filter that capture the harmful gases and unpleasant odours, things like carbon monoxide, formaldehyde, cooking odours, the smell of household cleaners and things like that. Then there's the true HEPA filter that captures up to 99.97% of ultra-fine dust like smoke and mould and exhaust fumes. Uh, and stops the spread of captured bacteria as well. They've also got a pretty comprehensive detection system, so sensors can actually tell you at a glance what the air quality is like. So if it's got a, you've got a blue light, means your air quality is good. You've got a red light, air quality is bad. They also, some of the models have Wi-Fi connectivity as well, so you can monitor and control the units from anywhere. So it can tell you whether the air quality is no good with an app on your phone. You might get a notification. You can flick on the air purifier, the Samsung air purifier from your phone, and you're in business. It will start uh, start filtering the air. And the, these, there are many models here. These they range in price from four four nine up to twelve hundred ninety nine bucks. They vary in size as well. So you might need one for a large area. You might want a smaller one for a bedroom. 
So there are plenty of choices here and each offering that amazing purification uh, and also other features uh, like wireless connectivity, depending on the model you choose. Uh, there are plenty of choices there. We've listed all of them and their prices and model numbers at our website for you to check it out. So if you want to take a look at the Samsung Air purifiers, you'll find them at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Netgear. They're Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. Is your Wi-Fi struggling to keep up with you, whether you're streaming, you're working, gaming, video calling, or doing them all at once? What happens then? When you're connected to the world by Wi-Fi, be sure it's the best. So bring your Wi-Fi up to speed with Orbi Wi-Fi 6 from Netgear. Orbi Wi-Fi 6 is the best and latest in Wi-Fi. It covers your entire home with the fastest Wi-Fi for uninterrupted streaming, video calling and working and learning from home on more devices than ever before in any part of your house. It's Wi-Fi perfectly engineered. If you're ready for the best Wi-Fi ever, find out more at netgear.com slash best Wi-Fi. And now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. Tech Guide Help Desk is brought to you by our friends at Belkin. If you're after a charger or a cable, uh, they're the company to see, belkin.com forward slash au. Now, I thought today I've had a lot of emails uh, concerning spam uh, and asking how the hell can I manage or stop spam, stop receiving spam. Now, I've got to tell you, I was actually doing, I was receiving a lot of spam as well. I'm an Optus customer and my Optus account was inundated with spam. And I've heard from a lot of you guys that also with Optus, I don't know whether this is, an, this is not obviously an Optus only problem, but Optus were kind enough though to offer some tips on how to manage and stop spam from flooding your inbox. Uh, number one, utilize a private and public email address. So there is the ability to create multiple email accounts, one for you use for friends and family and the other to sign up for mailing lists and other things like that. So you can know that your public one, if that is, if you are getting spam on that one, at least having two, your private one is spam free. Check to see if your email address has been published or hacked so you can use, there's a site called haveibeenpawned.com. I've put a link on Tech Guide, uh, So you can see if your email address has been hacked or mentioned in a brief breach notification. Uh, if it is mentioned on this site, you are likely to receive more spam, but uh, you can consider starting a new clean email address by contacting your service provider. Number three, provide, uh, Optus says they provide a spam filter on their mail server, but these might not be as strict as 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 you'd like them to be. So maybe maintaining your own third-party spam filter is a good way to go. Uh, number four, uh, webmail is a is a great way to access your emails, but also where you can report spam as well. Uh, Optus have a site there where they, if you find the spam that's in your inbox, you can click on the right mouse button to click on the spam and select spam from the drop-down menu. This reports that spam to the Optus network security team. 
So that's a good way. Uh, number five, beware of Optus branded phishing scams or any other phishing scam for that matter that is trying to steal your email address or your password. Once they get that email address, they just start pumping rubbish to you uh, in the spam. I've had everything from uh, Bitcoin to medicine to porn and get rich schemes and you name it. That's all the crap that I've been sent on spam. And I followed a lot of these rules. What I did, I marked a lot of these. I moved a lot of these emails, all of these emails to the junk folder. I also blocked the contact. So block the content, then move it to the junk folder. Hopefully next time it'll stop it in its tracks and you won't be annoyed by all this bloody rubbish spam. If you want to read more about those tips on how to stop and manage receiving any spam, uh, these were kindly supplied by Optus. So tips on how to manage and stop your spam emails, you can check that out at techguide.com.au. And that is the end of our show for this week. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed bringing it to you. Uh, everything we've talked about on the show, you can now find at techguide.com.au. And if you want to get in touch, feel free, email us, info at techguide.com.au or click on the Ask Stephen icon on the homepage. Uh, that's the icon that has the Belkin logo on it. So you'll receive, you'll go to a page, uh, enter your name, your uh, suburb and your question to me and it'll come directly to my inbox and you could be on the Tech Guide Help Desk next week. We want to give a special shout out too to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also Norton, the company that can keep you and your family safe online. We look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected.